Hello, and thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Derrida, Louisiana, recorded at our 10 o'clock service on Sunday, September 24th, 2017. The text for the morning comes from 1 Corinthians 15, verses 53 through 58. For this imperishable body must put on imperishability, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When this perishable body puts on imperishability and this mortal body puts on immortality, then the saying that is written will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved, Be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, because you know that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. This morning we're continuing our series on Does the Bible Really Say That? Rethinking myths and inaccuracies that do more harm than good. And I'm going to tell you up front that the one we're dealing with today probably angers me the most. And it angers me, and yes, I will use that word anger. I won't try to make it fluffy by saying upset or aggravated. The reason it makes me angry is because while I think it is used with the most helpful of intentions, it actually winds up painting a picture of a God that, at least for me, I want nothing to do with. It angers me because it puts us in a position of declaring for ourselves and for others that we know about the matters of life and death when we don't. It angers me because in a moment where the one who to whom the saying is being directed is already in a fragile state physically, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, we now have introduced the idea that their heartbreak, that their pain, that their frustration was part of God's grand design and we're implicitly saying you should be okay because God wanted it to happen and that's just not defendable by the text. I am of course speaking of the phrase well the Lord just needed another angel. We've all heard it. Sometimes we may have used it. But I can promise you that you need to get it out of your vocabulary. You need to get it out of your language, your repertoire, and you need to do it now. And you need to do it now because it is one of those phrases that carried out to its logical conclusion paints the picture of a faith that no one should want anything to do with. Forget the idea that the Lord just needed another angel. 
is not found anywhere in Scripture. That idea is not found anywhere in Scripture. But, what we're doing is we're telling people that God intentionally ripped their hearts out by denying them the love that they treasured so much. This is one of those phrases that I am convinced that any of us who have not had a child come home that should have. I don't care how old or how young the child is. I don't care where we are on the line. I don't think anyone who has ever helped a mother bury a child would ever use this phrase. I don't care if the mother's 80 and the child is 50. You're still that mama's little boy or girl. If you believe that the Lord just needed another angel as a word of comfort, I want you to come with me the next time I have to go visit a mother with a sheriff's deputy and tell them that their child is dead. I want you to think about the idea that when we use that language, what we're doing is we're saying to a grieving parent or to whoever is grieving, we are saying, it wasn't because someone decided to get drunk and get behind the wheel and T-bone the car that your loved one was in. That's not why they died. They died because the Lord needed another angel. How many want to sign up for that kind of philosophy? Anyone? I didn't think so. But the question that we face this morning is not just is this in the Bible or not, but what is in the Bible about death. What is in the scriptures when it comes to the matters of life and death? I want to start by saying that the Bible talks a lot more about life than death. And in one of those passages that we addressed not too long ago in a different vein, 1 Corinthians 15, one of those that is read, that is requested to be read at funerals all the time actually teaches us more about life than death. Ted did a great job of reading it this morning. And one thing that we see as we adopt this philosophy found in 1 Corinthians 15 is that mortality is a spiritual, not a physical issue. Mortality is a spiritual and not a physical issue. But Paul is writing to the church at Corinth here. He's saying, For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with the immortality. What he's talking about is wrapping ourselves in Christ's love and mercy, wrapping ourselves in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're talking about mortality and immortality. What Paul is doing is addressing the reality that our life is not about the physical, but that our life is about the spirit. And we seek to be with God in eternity, for eternity, not at the moment of death, but we do it now. We do it when we accept Christ, when we accept His love, His grace, His mercy. 
Or as we read throughout Scripture, those who follow God, those who worship God, those who love God, are not focused anymore on the things of this world. And we are able to do that. Because we realize that our physical nature is in existence. But our spiritual identity is where life is really found. That's why mortality is a spiritual, not a physical issue. He goes on, he says, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? When we look at the matters of mortality, when we look at the matters of life or death, it's not, mortality is not about explaining death. Too often we want to try to tie some spiritual, some cosmic, some eternal purpose or plan to the time when we experience especially an untimely death. You and I know though that as we read the text, as we follow Christ, as ones who put on imperishability, as those who put on immortality. We are no longer concerned with matter of dying. We are no longer concerned with having to explain death. But we are in the business of experiencing life in Christ. And what we do when we start talking with people with the language, the Lord just needed another angel. What we are doing is trying to put ourselves in position to offer a rationale. And I can promise you, and I think those of you who have also experienced the loss of a child would agree, there's nothing that you can say that can make someone feel better when it comes to the loss of a child. But we're not called to do that. We're called to agree with each other. We're called to bear each other's burdens. We're called to walk with each other in the highs and the lows of life. We are called not to try to explain things alone. We are called to be the body of Christ in good times and in bad. And sometimes our work is merely to be present with one another in the times of heart and pain. As well intentioned as the idea of the Lord just needed another angel is, we realize we're putting ourselves in the business of explaining death. Nobody ever asks, though, why do we have the loved ones we do for the time we have them? We'll ask, why did so and so have to die? But we never ask the question, why did they have life to begin with? 
And you and I both know the reason we have life is because when we look at life, we're not looking at the temporal, we're looking at the eternal. And you and I have life because of the work of Christ, his life, death, and resurrection. I want to go back and reread something I just read to you. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This reminds us that mortality is impotent in the eyes of the Christian. Because of Easter Sunday morning and the discovery that the ladies had at the tomb, we know that death has no power. The worst the world could throw at us has nothing on the power of the cross and the tomb. I wonder how much our lives would change, how much the lives of those around us would change if we looked at life not through the prism of death, but if we looked at life through the lens of life of Christ. After all, we go back to John's Gospel, the 10th chapter, around verse 35, where Jesus is going to see his friend Lazarus, and Jesus wept. It was the go-to verse whenever a Sunday school teacher had to ask us if we memorized the Bible verse, I knew Jesus wept, John 10, 35, like the back of my hand. And Jesus was weeping at Lazarus, not because of Lazarus' death, even though that was so sad. But you look and you see Jesus is weeping because of a complete misunderstanding that they had about life and death. For Jesus saw the long game. Jesus knew that death was impotent in the eyes of those following. Finally, we see Paul's closing affirmation in this verse, in this passage. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because that you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. See, the challenge you and I have, and it's very hard, especially because we are so tied to each other. And we are so afraid of the tragedy. And we are so afraid of what could possibly come next. We forget sometimes that our task as Christians is to run to life, not run away from death. We are, we are, we run to life, not away from death. And what does that mean? Why is that important? As we examine the inaccurate statement of the Lord just needed another angel. Because here's the thing. Are you and I called to run life, as they would say, scared? Are we called to have a spirit of fear? Are we called to be those? Because I'm going to tell you what, when Coach told us to run, I was afraid. I would start running. I would run. I would, I would, I would, I would, I would be caught. 
and I wasn't tossed by coach. I didn't realize at the time he was 65 and near retirement couldn't catch me on a car, but, you know, you look at it, there's something about running away, but then we see the cross. It's kind of like when you see a little child watching the parent from across the room, and they run, they run with their arms wide open, and they can't wait to find those steps, and they can't wait to embrace. They can't wait to embrace that which they're running for. And that is the perfect explanation for the two different ways to look at life. We can either run in fear of death or we can run in anticipation of the glory of the cross. The question before us this morning, brothers and sisters, it's not about explaining when someone dies. Hmm. I'm coming! I'm coming! But the question is not about are we running to explanations. The question is are we running are we running away in fear? Are we running to enjoy? Are we running away from that which we can't explain? Or are we running toward the open arms of a Savior who is going to embrace us? Only you can answer that question for yourself. But I can promise you, life's a lot more fun and a lot more joyful when we run to life and away from death. Because the fact of the matter is sometimes people die not because God wanted it to happen but because people make stupid, tragic, and indefensible decisions. Let me say that again. People die not because God said he needed another angel. And you can ask Aaron about the angel part of that later. But how you and I choose to respond to this world makes all the difference. Let's quit trying to explain what we don't know. And let's be about the business becoming disciples of Jesus Christ. Those who follow him, and we follow him because we're choosing to embrace life instead of run away from death. Thank you for listening to this podcast from First United Methodist Church of Derrida, Louisiana. Find out more about us at fumcderrida.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash fumcdr. Have a blessed day.